right. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, it's been a little bit hit and miss this morning. Sorry, we've had a few hiccups technology-wise. So this is Dave Everett from Lighthouse Discipleship Center. Uh, thank you. Uh, we're going to continue. We're going to uh, continue our Bible study or teaching this morning on knowing the Holy Spirit. We've talked a lot in the past about knowing God, knowing Jesus, and this time we're talking about knowing the Holy Spirit. Uh, we do welcome you to join us in our Bible study tonight. Uh, we start, we're going to be starting a brand new book and a brand new Bible study on Effortless Change by Andrew Womack. It has a lot to do with being in the Word of God and the parable, the, the, the parable of the sower is his main context for this, 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 this book and this teaching. Uh, we will have that tonight at 6 o'clock. We will be live streaming that as well as on uh, Wednesday nights. We have the New Year and the Holy Spirit, specifically the Holy Spirit, at the 7 o'clock on Wednesday nights. So all of our Bible studies, all of our teachings on Sunday mornings are archived on our website at Lighthouse Discipleship, uh, excuse me, LighthouseDiscipleship.org, as well as our YouTube channel, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. So anyway, hey, feel free to join us for any of those. Well, without further ado, we're a little behind schedule, but that's fine. We'll, hopefully, we'll pick it up by God's grace and the power of the Holy Spirit. We're gonna we're talking about uh, knowing the Holy Spirit, and uh, I want to uh, go back to my uh, key verse that I've been going to uh, start uh, starting off this whole teaching uh, a few weeks ago, and that is from uh, I'm gonna read it first in the New King James, and then I'll go to the Message translation. But in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14, this is how Paul concludes his second letter to the Corinthians. He says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. We talk about having a communion with the Holy Spirit. But in the message translation, I don't use it a lot, but I use it in this particular verse. It says, The amazing grace of the Master Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. We talk about we talk a lot about the amazing love of God. We talk a lot about the extravagant love of the Father, but we also uh, want to talk about, and we are talking about having an intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we don't take the Holy. He's powerful. Uh, we talk a lot about the gifts, and tongues, and whatnot. We will be talking about that a little bit later on in our study. But uh, I think at the key, at the core. We need to understand we can have an intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. Uh, you know, there's a lot of, even when we talk about other topics, there's people who want healing but not a relationship with the healer. They want salvation but not a relationship with the Savior. They want provision but they don't want a relationship with the provider. That's backwards. And so we want people to be healed. We want people to be saved. We want people to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. But we want, the, the core of Christianity is not a religion. We don't believe in religion. We believe in a relationship with God. We believe in a relationship with Jesus. We believe in a relationship with the Holy Spirit, and uh, particularly a friendship. You know, uh, I'm just going to, uh, you don't have to turn there, but real quick, it says in 1 John 5, 7, I'm just going to go real quickly here, uh, and I, just, I think I shared this before, but it says, John says, for there are th three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. And you see these three being used, the Godhead, being used throughout Scripture. We have the Father, the Word, meaning Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. Okay? 
Two, uh, two weeks ago, we talked about the, the Holy Spirit as it relates to wind. There's several scriptures, especially in the New Testament, relate to the Holy Spirit and wind. We, take, we took a look at some of that. And then that last week, we started talking about there's three different baptisms in the New Testament. There's multiple baptisms throughout the scripture, uh, but there, there's uh, three in particular in the New Testament. And we, we are going there real quickly to Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. I'm going to start with verse 1. I'll be in the King James for this, this particular verse. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles, the foundational principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance. We should, you shouldn't have to keep laying that. I mean, you know, when you build a house, you shouldn't have to keep laying the foundation over and over again. The foundation is, imp is important, but you shouldn't have to keep... You need the, that foundation is laid once, okay? If you're gonna have to, if you have to relay the foundation, you have to destroy the house so you can do the foundation. You can only, you have, you can only lay down the foundation once, okay? But uh, again, the foundation from dead works and of faith towards God. Verse two, and of the doctrine of baptism, of laying on of hands, of the resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. But the beginning of verse 2 says, of the doctrine of baptisms. And that word baptisms is plural. And there's, there's three actually New Testament baptisms. We talked about these last week. I'm not going to go in detail with these this week. But the first one we talked about, I'll put my little slides on the screen again from last week. But the first one comes from 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 to 14. It's about the, it's talking about the baptism uh, into the body of Christ. And when you are saved, when you believe on, you hear the gospel, and you believe on Jesus, and you ask Jesus to come into your life, and you believe on Jesus, you are, the Holy Spirit baptizes you as a new believer into the body of Christ. There's three baptisms, and all three of these baptisms has a baptizer, has a, a subject, and has an element. And the Holy Spirit is the one who baptizes you into the body of Christ when you are saved. And he does that. He does that automatically when you become saved. The second baptism that we discovered was the water baptism. And this water baptism is, uh, uh, it, it comes after you're saved. You don't become water baptized to become saved. Uh, we won't water baptize you if we don't, if we don't believe that you're saved. And uh, how do we know that you're saved? Well, Romans 10, 9, and 10 is our, 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 our uh, most common verse that we're going to go off. That you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. But I'm not looking at you recite the verse. Anybody can recite a verse. I'm looking at you believe. And, I, and there's certain language. It doesn't have to be a theological answer. It just, you, you know when someone believes something. You know, and, and so, and so if, we, if, if I can hear a confession of what you believe, uh, not, and it's not just you reciting something, but I can tell that you believe it, well, water baptize you. It doesn't have to be complicated. It's not, it's not a trick question. It's just, uh, it's just a reality check, if I can put it in that, in that, that way. And so uh, I don't know that that, that does for you. But even here, there's a baptizer. The pastor or the leader, we even saw some places where Philip baptized somebody. Philip was not a pastor. Philip was not an apostle. Philip was a deacon, uh, you know, and, and so, but a leader, 
The pastor and leader will baptize the believer into water. Okay? And then the third baptism, which we're really talking about, we're, we're talking about knowing the Holy Spirit, is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the baptizer of this one is uh, John, I mean, uh, Jesus, excuse me. <laughs> and again, the, the subject is always the believer. <laughs> That's the key part. Okay? And then uh, the element is the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the one that baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that baptizes us into the body of Christ. But Jesus is the one who baptizes us into the Holy Spirit. These last two baptisms are, are happen after you're, you're born again. If you're not born again, baptized into the body of Christ, you can't be water baptized and you can't be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And we're going to see some more scriptures today how these are, especially this one and the first one, are two different events. And they're two different baptisms. Okay? Let me just uh, re-emphasize something. Go with me real quick before we go forward. <coughs> Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, verse 6. We'll start. And we're going to read again from last week some words from John the Baptist. Now John, this is John the Baptist, not the Apostle John. <coughs> Mark chapter 1, Matthew, Mark. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, and with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. Aren't you glad we have a better diet today? And he preached, saying, Therefore come one after me, who is mightier than I, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to stoop down and loose. I indeed baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. John baptized with water. We'll, we'll deal with John baptism a little more later in our study. But I indeed baptize you with water. But he, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the baptizer into the Holy Spirit. And we're going to come back to some of this in just a moment uh, to a certain degree. But we... Uh, so, I, I'm, I'm going to keep you a little busy this morning at the beginning here. But go back to me in Hebrews chapter 6 real quick. Hebrews chapter 6. And we're just going to spend one second here. I just want you to see something. I probably should have this on the screen to make it a little easier. But remember, we already established that. Um, we already established the fact that there's multiple baptisms. Three in particular. Baptism, the doctrine of baptism. Doctrine is just a fancy word for teaching. There's three teachings on baptisms. The three doctrines on baptism. You know, and so and it's a pearl. But this is confusing to some people because if you keep that thought in mind, go with me to Hebrews chapter four. Because a lot of people have a hard time reconciling multiple baptisms with he, he, Ephesians chapter four. And I want to address that this morning before we go further. Okay? I had I struggled with this a little bit growing up. One scripture says there's multiple baptisms. One says there's only one baptism. Okay? You can't have multiple baptisms and one baptism. Something doesn't line up with that. Okay? So I want to bring some reconciliation to this. Okay? 
So let me get the context here. We're going to read the first uh, six verses here in Ephesians chapter 4. I, the meaning Paul, therefore the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling, <coughs> excuse me, with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. How many, how many of you know we are to be long-suffering, bearing with one another in love? That's not my message this morning, but it's there. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body. Now, before I go forward, verse 3. Let me reread verse 3 there. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The context that, that Paul's talking about here in chapter 4 is unity. Peace. Bearing with one another in love. Are you following with me so far? This is key to understanding where I'm going with this. Verse 4, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. Verse 5, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, singular. Verse 6, one God and Father who is above all and through all and in you all. The context is unity. But here we have verse 5, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. We just read in Hebrews chapter 6 that there's a doctrine of baptisms, plural. Whereas here, there's one faith, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Okay? So how do we reconcile this? We have one scripture that says there's three multiple baptisms. One says that there's one baptism. Okay? And, and, and I believe we need to kick it off in verse... Uh, uh, Three, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And I think I think there's a difference between, and there's also, uh, this is verse 3, uh, this is Ephesians 4, verse 3, but if you were to scroll down to verse 13 of the same chapter, Paul's going to go on to say, uh, trying to talk about the unit until we all come to the unity of the faith. He's talking a lot about <coughs> unity in this particular chapter. Paul's dealing with unity. I mean, you know, we need to talk about unity from time to time. There's, there's problems sometimes in the church and in the families and whatnot. And Paul talks about unity a lot. Uh, there's over a hundred scriptures in the New Testament talking about how we need to love one another, get along with one another, forgive one another. There's over a hundred scriptures in the New Testament talking about it. If, if the, if you know, and there's nothing new under the sun. <laughs> if the, the apostles talked a lot about it a lot, that means there were a lot of problems in even the early churches that they had to get along. And that hasn't changed today. Okay, we still need to learn how to get along. There has never You know, people always get upset when I talk about this, but the scripture does. And that's what the context here is. He's talking about how uh, verse 3, we are endeavor, endeavoring. How do you know if you're endeavoring to do something that there's some work involved? You can't endeavor to do something passively. You can't, you can't endeavor to do something through osmosis. You're endeavoring to keep. How do you know sometimes when you endeavor to keep something, it doesn't always work? You're endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And, and that's, it's in this context that he says there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. Let me ask you a question. There, it says in verse 4, there is one body. 
How did we get into the body of Christ? We got into the body of Christ by believing the gospel. And the Holy Spirit, who we're talking about, baptized us into the body. There's one baptism that got you here into this body. And it's in this body that Paul is saying we need to get along in the unity of in, this, in the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. There's one baptism that got you into the body of Christ. Because there's one body, one spirit, and there's one spirit that got you in that body, just as you were called and one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and, and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Okay? How many of you know from time to time in any household, in any family, in any business, in any friendship, in any, any church, there's going to be times where we disagree. Okay? About something in this life. There's going to be times where it's in marriage, and my wife and I are going to disagree about something. There's going to be times in the church we're going to disagree with one another. But we also need to, going back to verse 1, Therefore the prisoner of the, of the Lord beseech you to walk with your calling to which you were called. We're called to get along. We're called to bear with one another. We're called to be part of the body of Christ. We're baptized into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit. Okay? We need to learn to get along. There is one body. There's different churches. There's different expressions. There are different families. Different families do different things. Have different tastes. Have different. Uh, there, there's different cultures involved. There's different backgrounds involved. There's different tastes involved. I love my brother, but he and I have different tastes about things. Okay, I'm not just talking about food, even though I could talk about that with my brother. And he's. He likes healthy stuff, and I not so much, <laughs> you know. Uh, and, and that's just my fault. But I, 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 that's just how I've always been. There's one spirit. There's one Lord. There's one faith. We have we have different expressions of that faith. Sometimes, some people like modern worship music. Some people like the what they call traditional worship music. I can handle both to a certain degree. I don't like organs. Anymore. I mean, I know that was back. That was the thing back in the day. I don't like organ music. I like some of the songs. I don't like the style of organ music. Uh, there's some. There's some modern songs that are just a little too raunchy for me. And I, I get that. Raunchy is probably not the right word to use either. There. You know, I'm not into rap music. That's just not my style. I have heard some that I can tolerate, but that they're very rare. Okay. That doesn't. That doesn't mean. Rap is bad, doesn't, you know, I've seen, I know some people who do rap music, and they're awesome men and women of God. It's just not my style. My point is, there's different expressions, but there's one faith, there's one Lord, there's one master, okay? Uh, there's one baptism, there's one God, there's one, we have one Father. We've been baptized into the body of Christ, and we, because we're baptized into the body of Christ, we, folks, we are brethren. We are brethren and sisters. And we, as brethren, and I talked about this last week, that we are baptized into the universal body of Christ. As brethren, as brothers and sisters, we have one Father. Okay? 
who's over all, who's with us all, and who's in us all, according to verse 6. Okay, there is only one baptism that saves us, that causes us to be in one body. And we talked about this last week. Water baptism does not save us. We are when we when we believe on Jesus, we are baptized into one body at salvation. Okay, that makes sense. There's only one of all three of these baptisms. There's only one baptism that, in a sense, saves us. When you receive Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit instantaneously put, baptizes you into the body of Christ. That's not something you can see. That's not something you can visualize. That's something you take by faith, by the Word of God. That makes sense? There's no water involved. There's no speaking in tongues involved. It's by the Holy Spirit. Okay? You're baptized into the body of Christ. The context he's talking about here is unity. And there's only one person who baptizes you into the body of Christ, and that is the Holy Spirit. There's only one element we are baptized into, and that is the body of Christ. You are not baptized into a specific church. You are not, you are not baptized into a specific denomination. You are baptized into the universal body of Christ. Now, do I encourage you to, to be part of a local body? Absolutely. I don't think it's healthy to, to hop around from church to church to church. I'm not saying there's not times in your life where you, and seasons of your life where you will change from one local body to another local body. For instance, if you move or whatnot. I'm not saying that's unhealthy. But if you're going to be church hopping, that's unhealthy. That's not the scope of my message this morning. Uh, but I want to throw that out there. But sometimes you, it is wise to leave. Sometimes you need to wise up and stay. And so, uh, so that's not always the case. But since there is only one body... And since there's only one baptism that got you into that body, through this one baptism, we ought to function as one body. I believe that's what Paul is saying here. Okay, the moment you get saved, we ought to have, we, I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. The moment you get saved, we all have one Lord, and we all have one Father, and we all have one faith. And that one baptism makes us one body under one Father who is in us all. One baptism gives us the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And that is this baptism, the first one we talked about yesterday. Because this one's the most important. We don't talk a lot about it in one sense, but you can go, you can get, you can, you are saved if you are not water baptized. And you are saved if you are not baptized in the Holy Spirit. But you are not saved if you have not received salvation. And if you receive salvation, you are automatically baptized in the Holy Spirit. I mean, in the body of Christ. That makes sense? This is the most important one. You can't even have the other two without this one. And we need to learn. And in this context of Ephesians chapter 4, he's talking about how we need to get along. Uh, if, you were, if you're born again, folks, we are eternal brethren. And that brethrenness, I know that might not be a word, that brethrenness is eternal. We are eternally brethren because we have one eternal Father. And we are born again, eternally born. If you, if you made Jesus Christ Lord of your life, that one baptism that I'm referring to right here, that baptizing the by Christ makes us all brethren of the same eternal Father. 
But some of you might say, but I disagree with so-and-so. I disagree with my, the, the, her or him. Yes, but we are still brothers. There might be people of your natural family, an uncle, an aunt, a brother, a sibling, maybe even a parent, a grandparent that you disagree with, but you're still family. In your own mind, you might try to dis disown them, but, but naturally speaking, you are still family. In the eyes of God, you are still family. Okay? You can do things civilly, to disown somebody and not making them your family, and you can ostracize people, but in the eyes of God, you're still family. In the eyes of God and the body of Christ, we are baptized into the body of Christ. And when God has united, let no man separate. I know and that's regarding marriage, but we are we are one flesh with God, Ephesians 5.30. And if when God has united, who are you? Who has made you God that you ostracize part of the body of Christ? That's wrong. And that's dangerous. Okay? Even though we disagree, and we can at times like Paul, Paul and Barnabas disagree. Agree to disagree. I mean, and this is a whole other teaching. I want to get off this track in just a second here. But once Paul and Barnabas separated, you never hear about Barnabas ever again. I mean, that's just a little side note. And I'm not necessarily condemning Barnabas, but you never hear about him ever again in Scripture. You know? And, but you do hear, except for this one fact, Paul and Barnabas did reunite. They did get over it. They did reconcile. I don't, maybe not to the same level, but they did reconcile. We may disagree, and we are still brethren, and we will still we still need to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And sometimes, in order to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, there are sometimes we do need to go our separate ways. Sometimes that's necessary. Sometimes that, in order to keep the Spirit and the bond of peace, it's, it's sometimes necessary. You know, when I used to be on a child care playground for 10 years at Foothill Christian School, there was times where two children on the playground got into a disagreement, and it was wise to separate them for a time. Now, I always brought them back together to shake hands or give a hug or whatever the case may be. They might, I, I can't make them be best friends. <laughs> I can't make them to be friends that hang out on the playground together, but I can enforce that on this playground they got to get along. <laughs> and, and so, and I didn't have that thought. Otherwise, they're going to spend a lot of time on that time out. You know, and I think they would rather have fun uh, with that. They can play on another side of the playground. They can even play on the same, with the same stuff where they have to play readily. Okay? But until we are, and then Paul goes on to say, and, and, and later on in this chapter, in verse 13, he's like, until we all come to the unity of the faith, we are to get along in, in, the, in the unity of the Spirit and the body of peace. I don't know if that's helpful. Uh, but I just felt like I needed to spend a little time on that because, again, I, what was I doing? I was addressing three, three multiple, multiple baptisms, which we know of three in, in Hebrews chapter 6, with one baptism being mentioned in, he, in Ephesians chapter 4. And how do we reconcile that? And I believe sometimes we need to look at the context. Okay? When you take a text out of a context, you're left with a con. Okay? That's dangerous uh, sometimes to do that. Okay, let's move forward. Let's talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, who Jesus is our baptizer. We're going to spend a little more time with this. But in doing that, I'm not going to so much rehash some of the things I dealt with last week. 
<coughs> and going forward, I want to talk, I want to address it from this angle. By whose authority? Who who is authority on these matters regarding the baptism of the Holy Spirit? See, there's a lot of there's a lot of teachings out there today. I'm not going to label all the different kinds of teachings, but here's some of the ones that come to my mind. Some people question whether the baptism of the Holy Spirit is even for the day or not. Some people like us teach that it is for the day. By whose authority are we saying that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for the day? Or whose authority are we saying that it's not for the day? For those who teach that. Some people teach that this baptism died with the apostles. Or the Acts of Apostles. By whose <coughs> By whose authority are they claiming that 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 that, that, doc, that doctrine? I don't agree with that doctrine, but my question is them, or my question is anybody. By whose authority are you teaching that? Some people think that if you, some people also think that if you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit, you are not saved. We don't teach that. We don't agree with that. But if that's the case, if that's by whose authority do they teach that? How I many you know that anything that we teach, any doctrine that <coughs> we teach must be supported by the Word of God? That has to be foundational. Now, there are some people that don't, they don't believe in, the, in, in that this is the Word of God. They, some people don't believe that this is the final authority. Well, if that's the case, I really have nothing to talk to you about. Because you and I have a different foundation. And, uh, you know, and I don't need to do that meanly. I don't need to do that disrespectfully. But if we can't agree with the, 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 where the authority is coming from, then in one sense we are going to just have to agree to disagree. Because I am not going to reason with someone who can't reason with the Word of God. There is no reasoning. Because there is no foundation. There is no authority. Instead, instead of making the, the Word of God your authority, you're making your own opinion or someone else's teachings your authority. And I can't put my faith on someone else's teaching or your opinion. I can only put my faith in the Word of God. And so, uh, it, there's no grounds. But the Word of God, now, I understand there's different per perceptions or, or interpretations of the Word of God, and that's where we struggle sometimes. Okay? And that's where sometimes we, need to, we do need to talk it out, and we do need to, to work it out. But God's Word is always our, our authority. You know, uh, there's a scripture here, I'm, I'm, uh, it's, it's in Luke chapter 20. I, for the sake of time, I wasn't going to turn there, so you don't have to turn there right now. But there was a time where the, the religious leaders were trying to ask Jesus a question. Actually, let's go there real quick. I, go, uh, I don't think I should rehash it completely. So let's go to Luke chapter 20. We'll pick up verse 1. We're only going to read about four verses, so I, well, I think we'll, we'll make time make it happen. But I'm going to go a little, a little fast, though, okay? Now, it it Luke 20, verse 1. Now it happened on one of those days... Have you ever had one of those days? Okay? Jesus was having one of those days. Okay? Now it happened on one of those days as he taught the people in the temple and preached the gospel that the chief priests and the scribes together with the elders confronted him. That's definitely one of those days. And spoke to him saying, tell us by what authority are you doing these things? Or is he who gave you this authority? But he answered and said to them, I will ask you one thing and answer me. So in other words, he said, I'll answer your question if you answer mine. 
Some people don't like that. I've had discussions with people like that. And I get that. But that's because Jesus did it. I can do it. And I say, well, he ain't not Jesus. Well, Jesus is in me. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. So, uh, you know, if we can keep going down this road. Anyway, verse 4. The baptism of John, was it from heaven or from men? <laughs> and they reasoned among themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say, Why then did you not believe him? But if we say from men, all the people will stone us, and they are persuaded that John was a prophet. So they answered that they did not know where it was from. And Jesus said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. And so, you know, Jesus is very uh, subtle here and, and, and whatnot, but we can get caught up in this whole discussion with them. But I'm, I'm just trying to make a point. They were asking him by what authority that he did the things that he did. And I think that's a legitimate question. But, uh, you know, he, but his, his answer was actually uh, using John the baptism as one of these things. By whose authority, whose authority did John baptize? Was it John's authority? Or was it man's? Or was it God's? And the answer was it was from God. But obviously these religious leaders didn't want to, to, to answer that. But how many you know anything I teach, anything Andrew Womack teaches, anything anyone teaches, whose authority are we teaching us? We're talking about knowing the Holy Spirit, and specifically we're talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And there's different schools of thought on this uh, through the years, and, and different denominations and whatnot. By whose authority are we teaching the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I think that's a legitimate question. I think you should screen every doctrine based on that. Whose authority is talking about water baptism? We can talk about that. Talking about salvation and grace and talking about healing. By whose authority are we teaching these things? Specifically, we're talking about the Holy the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Are you following me so far? Okay? Let's go to John chapter 1. So what we're going to do, the remainder of our time, we're going to look at different scriptures about what authority are we teaching the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay, I use that uh, Luke uh, passage just, just to spring the thought about authority. But we're going to be looking at the Word of God as our authority for teaching the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay, So starting with John chapter 1, scroll down to verse 29. I don't have time to read the whole context here. But we're at the baptism of John. And it says the next day, when John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 29, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I love that proclamation. Okay? And this, he, this is he whom I said, After me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore I came baptizing with water. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit, and I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. 
There's some powerful things that John got a revelation of. And he got a revelation by the Spirit. He got a revelation by the God. First of all, verse 29 says that he, he began to proclaim, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's teaching the good news right there. He's teaching the gospel. This is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Verse 33, though, he picks up this, and, he, and he's, I like this. I did not know him, but he, God, who sent me to baptize with water, said to me, John, and that's, we can tie this into Luke 20 that we just read. This is where John got his authority. He got it from God. He told him to baptize with water. But God didn't just tell him to baptize with water. He told John, he said to me, upon whom you see the Spirit descending. I think this whole thing was not just for Jesus and not just for us, that we see the, the Spirit of God falling on Jesus like a dove. But John was supposed to see this. Okay, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Okay? And he, he goes on how he is the Son of God, and that's a whole other teaching. But he is, in other words, we're talking about by whose authority do we teach that Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit? Well, this is one scripture. We're going to go through more scriptures. But it's from John's own testimony, from John's own word, from the word of God given to John, it, that Jesus is the one who will baptize in the Holy Spirit. Are you following me so far? Okay, this is just one testimony. We're going to give you some more. Okay? Let's go to Luke 24. Luke 24. I like I love the whole chapter of Luke 24. We don't have time to read all of that this morning. Luke 24 is talking about the road to Emmaus after the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus is spending time talking with two disciples on the road to Emmaus. That's a whole teaching I, I don't have time to go into. Afterwards, he meets all the eleven. I mean, you know, Judas is not part of it now. And uh, Really, the context of what I'm reading is uh, Luke 24, verses 36 to 49. But even then, I don't have time to read the whole context. I'm going to skip down to verse 44. Okay? 44. He's already been talking, meeting with the 11. I wish I had time to read more of this, but verse 44. And then he, Jesus, said to them, the disciples, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you. That all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of the Moses, law of Moses, and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. And then he said to them, Thus it is thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached. And his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, verse 49, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. We're going we're gonna to continue on this thought. But at verse 49, Jesus, the baptizer in the Holy Spirit, says that there's a promise of my Father. We're addressing 
By whose authority do we do we teach the baptism of the Holy Spirit? By whose authority do we teach that Jesus is the baptizer of the Holy Spirit? Part of part of the answer is here, and it's a promise of the Father. We're gonna pick it, we're gonna continue on this thought because it's more scripture has more to say about this promise of the Father. <coughs> By whose authority do we teach on the promise of the Father? First of all, we teach it because the Father's promise. Second of all, we teach it because Jesus taught it to disciples. He says, I send the promise. Who's, who's sending the promise? Jesus is. I send the promise of my Father upon you. I send the promise of the Father upon you. I don't know about you, but that's, that's Jesus baptizing in the Holy Spirit. That's that type of language. It hasn't happened yet. But it's it's he's he's sending it's he, he's talking future he's, and it's it's actually going to be in just a few more days that this is going to happen in context here okay um, just trying to catch up with my notes go with me to Acts chapter one I got several scriptures here we're doing okay with time but I am still going forward rather quickly Acts chapter one we'll begin with verse one. I mean, you know, we just read Luke 24. Now we're in Acts chapter 1. Luke wrote both books. Luke, the Gospel of Luke, was Luke's first book. Acts is Luke's sequel to, to that. If you read the beginning of the book, uh, chapter 1 in the book of Luke, it'll have the same, very similar language that he had in Acts chapter 1, verse 1. The former account, what's his former account? The book of Luke. I made O Theophilus. Both books he wrote to Theophilus. And of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. And he was making a case with Theophilus. Yes, Luke was a, a doctor. That's a whole other study. And it, but he was making a case with Theophilus. Of all the things that Jesus began to do and teach. Verse 2. Until the day in which he, Jesus, was taken up the ascension. After he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles of whom he had chosen. Verse 3. To whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. For 40 days, Jesus taught his disciples and some others about the kingdom of God. That's one teaching I would really like to get. Jesus' last words before he gets ascended, after the resurrection, after the cross, after the resurrection, Jesus spends 40 days talking about the kingdom of God. Do you think that's something Jesus wants us to understand? And the kingdom of God is, is um, I'm trying to quote, I think it's Romans 14, 17, is righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. Okay? Verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. This sounds very similar to Luke 24. But to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. This is not the first time he's talked about this. Okay? For John truly baptized you with, baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And who's going to baptize in the Holy Spirit? Jesus is. 
the one who's talking to them. Okay. But if the by what authority do we teach on the path of the Holy Spirit? I mean, not, we have Jesus. We also have, it's the promise of the Father. Okay? Fast forward to the next chapter, chapter 2, Acts 2. Beginning with verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, next week we're going to talk about Pentecost. Okay? I have fully come. They were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty, rushing mighty wind. We talked about that two weeks ago. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then there appeared to, to them divided tongues as of fire. We talked about that during our first week. And one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. We're going to talk about that more in the weeks to come. Okay? We have this rushing mighty wind, the pneuma of God. We've talked about that a couple weeks ago. We have the promise. See, what, we, what we're hearing so far is we're hearing a couple different things. And all these different scriptures I'm reading so far, we've, we've heard about the pneuma of God. We've heard about the promise of the Father. We've heard about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're, we're seeing some phrases called being filled with the Holy Spirit. These terminologies are used interchangeably. And there's different manifestations. One of those being tongues, which is, is, is really the issue that a lot of people are hung up on. And we're going to deal with that uh, eventually. But these terms are used interchangeably. The promise of the Father being filled with the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay? They're used interchangeably. But scroll down to verse 37. Acts 2, verse 37. Sorry, just trying to catch up with you. Verse 37. Peter just preached the message. Okay? They've all been filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter began to preach the message. And now when they, there's over 3,000 people here who've, who are receiving Jesus, and it says, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for, I want to come back to that word for, the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now it's called the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise to you, to your children, and to all who are far off, for as many as the Lord our God shall call. How many of you know that we, Gentiles, we are part of the all who are far off? Okay? We, we fit that category. Okay? And so, there's not a man, there's not someone who's been created since this message who doesn't fit into one of those categories. Okay? But, Peter's preached in an, in an unknown tongue. Yes, they were speaking in tongues, but Peter preached the message in an unknown tongue. 3,000 people get saved. And now he's called, he calls it the gift. He says, be, go to verse 38 real quick. Then Peter said to them, repent, means to change your mind, and let every one of you be baptized into the name of Jesus. Okay? Now, we see this 
being baptized into the name of Jesus before. We see this in the Great Commission. Okay, we see this, uh, go make disciples of all nations, baptized into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the name of Jesus. Okay, for the remission of sins. The word for in the Greek, that's where a lot of people get hung up. A lot of people think they get baptized for sins. No. This, this, you know, the, the English translation, translation does a, a disservice here in this translation. If you read the Greek Bible, if you read the Greek language, this word for means because of. You get be baptized in the name of Jesus because of the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Water baptism does not save you. Okay? Believing on Jesus saves you. But once you are saved, you can be baptized into the name of Jesus. Okay? But that's not really my point here. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You can't receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit if you have not first been baptized into the body of Christ. You can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit if you have not been water baptized yet. We see that with Cornelius. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit by who? Who baptized them? Jesus. We don't have a, you and I do not have a say whether someone gets baptized in the Holy Spirit. Jesus does. He's the one that baptizes them. Who are the apostles? Who are us to say, and we're, we're going to get to this, Jesus is the one that baptizes them into the Holy Spirit. Okay? Uh, again, let me just piggyback on this gift of the Holy Spirit that we we'll receive from Acts 2 38. That you receive. It's a promise. It's a promise that you receive. Okay? It's God's will for you to receive the Holy Spirit. It's God's will for you to receive His gift, receive His promise, and to be filled with. With the Holy Spirit. Let me just make a comment here though. Again, I've said before, there's many baptisms in Scripture. Besides the three that we've been teaching on. There's a baptism of Moses that ended at the cross. You know, there's some baptisms and stuff that were a part of the law. Those ended at the cross. There's a baptism of John that had a shelf life. Paul deals with this in Acts chapter 19. Well, if we get, hopefully we get there today. But Paul says the baptism of John expired. And some people have a difference between water baptism and water baptism of John. There are two different baptisms. John was baptized before the cross. John, the baptism, you know, a lot of people think that the New Testament started at Matthew chapter 1. No. The New Covenant started at the cross. John the Baptism was a prophet, uh, still an Old Testament prophet. The Old Testament happened be before the cross. The covenant changed. You, you can't have a covenant without a death. And so uh, the covenant changed at the cross. John was preparing the way for the Messiah. There, there was a purpose for that. But now we are baptized into the name of Jesus. John was baptizing in the Old Testament. There's, a, there's two different baptisms. And, and a lot of people have a hard time with that. And Paul deals with that in Acts 19. We'll, 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 get there, hopefully, we'll get there in time. 
But we, it's a gift. The Holy Spirit is a gift that we have to receive. It's a promise that we receive. You can't earn it. You can reject it, yes. But you receive it. Okay? Let's go to Acts uh, chapter 8. Let's go to the back of Philip. We've been there before. Let's go back. Acts, uh, Acts 8. There's a lot here in this passage. We're going to pick it up with verse 5. <coughs> and then Philip went down to the city of Samaria. And we know the Jews had an issue with Samaria. And preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord. <coughs> Excuse me. Heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out, and many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed, and lame were healed, and there was great joy in that city. Okay? But there was a certain man called Simon, who previously practiced sorcery in the city, and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great. To whom they all gave heed, from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. But when they believed Philip, and he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. And then John, Simon himself also believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip, and he and was amazed seeing the miracles and signs which were done. Okay? Uh, now, let me just make a point here. I'm not done with the story yet. Okay? But Philip is not... Philip did baptize these people. He did, did water baptize Simon the sorcerer who believed. Okay? That's what it says here. Because Simon... It says, verse 13, then Simon himself also believed. We're not, we're not rejecting anyone from being believing. We need sorcerers. How many of you know sorcerers need to get saved? Okay? As horrible as it is, sorcerers need to receive Jesus Christ. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazing. The miraculous signs were done. Okay? But some people think that only apostles can baptize. Well, Simon, I mean... No one told Philip because he, he, he wasn't an apostle. He was a deacon. Okay? Let's, but let's pick up the story in verse 14. Well, actually, we'll pick it up. Yeah, verse 14. Now, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had he had fallen apart he had yet verse sixteen again for as yet he had fallen upon none of them and they had only been baptized in the name of Jesus uh, the Lord Jesus and then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit now there's some more about Simon I'm not going to go in there that's not the scope of our study right now okay. In Acts 8, 14 to 17, after they had been, Philip's been, Philip's a missionary. Philip's been uh, ministering to people. <coughs> There's been a lot of miracles taking place. Even Simon the sorcerer receives Christ. 
they get baptized. He baptized them into the name of Jesus. He baptized them in water. I mean, no, we don't baptize people into... The only thing that pastors and leaders can baptize people into is water. Okay? We don't baptize people into the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit does that. Okay? We baptize people into... When it says that we baptize... He baptized them into the name of Jesus, he's talking about water. Because Philip can't baptize anyone. We, you, I, Philip, Paul, Peter, no one can baptize anyone in anything. The Holy Spirit baptizes people in the body of Christ, and Jesus baptizes people in the Holy Spirit. But we can baptize people in the water. Uh, granted that they receive Jesus. Okay? That making sense? Okay? And so, so this is, but so up to this point, the first baptism already took place, obviously. The second baptism took place. But the third baptism hadn't taken place, and the, the apostles noticed that. Okay? And, and so the apostles finished the work. They, they, they did that, and they received the Holy Spirit. I, one of the things, I, one of the reasons I want to point this out is not, you know, is because they, they had noticed that the receiving, first of all, there's another phrase here being used here, um, verse 16, for yet he had, he, the Holy Spirit, had fallen, yet fallen upon none of them. Uh, basically, the Holy Spirit hadn't fallen upon them yet. And, you know, sometimes I struggle with this phrase, the Holy Spirit falling on somebody, but the scripture uses it, so, uh, um, you know, I, I'm okay with that. But, uh, that's just another phrase. We talk about the gift of the Holy Spirit. We talk about the promise of the Father. We talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is also another phrase that's being used in scripture. But another thing I want you to see, too, is that that the, the, the baptism of the being baptized into Christ, into the name of Jesus, and being baptized into the Holy Spirit are two different things. And being baptized in the Holy Spirit comes after being baptized into the name of Jesus. Okay? I want you to see that because that's important. Some people still can't distinguish the two. It's important that there's many, multiple examples in Scripture, this being one of them, where there were two different events. Okay? Um, and then, um, okay, anyway, let's move forward. Let's go to Acts 10. Let's go back to Cornelius. We've been there before, too. Acts chapter 10. Now, I don't have time to read the whole uh, story here, but let me give you a little backdrop. We're going to go down probably to around verse 44. That's probably where we'll pick it up, Okay. But let me, uh, while you are finding verse 44, let me give you a little backdrop. Because I don't have time to read all the story, but it's a very awesome story. Cornelius is, a, is not born again at the beginning of the story. At, the, at chapter 10, verse 1, he's not born again. He loves God. He's seeking and worshiping God. Now, some people have a hard time reconciling. How can he be a worshiper of God and not be born again? He's just not. Okay? But, and he's giving alms. How I many of you know, this guy's ripe to be born again. Just because he's ripe doesn't mean he's born again yet. He's, Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is ripe. There's some people, they are ready to be saved. They just need an invitation. They just need us to come to them. Cornelius is right. He's doing all the right things, but he's not born again yet. And so an angel... Tells Cornelius to send for Peter. Why didn't the angel just tell him the, the gospel? Because that's not his job. 
That's our job. As humans, as born-again believers, we have been given the commission to go make disciples of all nations, not angels. Angels are powerful, but they have not been given the, 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 the instruction to preach the gospel. The angel can send Cornelius, I mean, can send Peter. The angel can, can uh, send uh, Philip to go uh, uh, teach the Ethiopian eunuch in a chariot. So he gave him power so that he was running alongside a chariot preaching the gospel. I mean, the Holy Spirit can transport Philip from out from the Ethiopian to Samaria. The Holy Spirit can do some powerful things, but it's our job to preach the gospel. Okay, that's one thing the, the Holy Spirit won't do for us. That's one thing the angels won't do for us is preach the gospel. They can, they can set up the, the meeting. They can orchestrate the meeting. And then, and then Peter, while all this is going on with Cornelius, Peter, he's, he's spending some time with God, and he has a vision. <coughs> me, he has a vision. There's bacon. There's, there's, there's ham. There's things that he, as a Jew, would never have eaten before. <coughs> and when the Holy Spirit is giving him a vision of a sheep, Peter said, I have never partaken of this forbidden food, and I'm not going to start now. This vision happens three times. How do you know the Holy Spirit does not give up when you don't get it the first time? The Holy Spirit will sometimes give you the vision over and over again until you get it. And some people are still stubborn enough to go, go find somebody else. But at the same point in time, uh, Peter was supposed to go preach to Cornelius. But, but Peter, went, not only did he have a hard time eating bacon, he had a hard time ministering to Gentiles because he thought it was forbidden. And so... There was the Holy Spirit's working. I mean, you know, I like this because the Holy Spirit is working both in Cornelius and he's also working in Peter, both the preacher and the receiver. To set up the meeting, Peter gets there, and, and I like it, verse 44, Acts 10 44, while Peter was still speaking, he wasn't even done speaking yet. These words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision, meaning the Jews, who believed were astonished as many as, <coughs> as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. This is awesome, folks. Now, this is going on. Peter's preaching the message. He's, Peter is still getting the revelation that they can even be born again. And how many of you know who baptizes with the Holy Spirit? Jesus does. Jesus <coughs> is a baptizer in the Holy Spirit. And while G Peter's still preaching the gospel, Jesus interrupts his message by baptizing the Holy Spirit, which is totally revolutionary to Peter and the other Jews that are present. And then he goes on to say, and Peter says, can anyone forbid water that he should not be baptized? If they went from here to here, and they didn't need Jesus' permission to do that, 
Peter's like, if, if Jesus baptized them in the Holy Spirit, then what forbids me from baptizing them into if we see the other. Because if Jesus is approving their salvation by the Holy Spirit, what forbids me from baptizing them into water? And they receive all three. Now, when Peter gets back home, he gets called on the carpet by the council. And we pick that up in uh, chapter 11, the next chapter, Acts 11, and we're going to pick it up in verse 15. Because the Jews don't, the, the, the other apostles don't understand this yet. And they're, they're thinking, Peter, what are you, first of all, doing in a Gentile home? And what are you doing preaching the gospel to Gentiles? They didn't have a revelation of this yet. We get on Peter for having the sheet, sheet revelation, you know, vision three times. But their apostles didn't, have, didn't, didn't get this yet either. And as, he, as I began to speak, this is Peter, the, the Holy Spirit fell upon them at at, I'm picking verse 15, 11, 15. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. There's that, word, there's that, there's that phrase, fell upon them. As upon us at the beginning. The same way that we received the Holy Spirit, these people began to receive the Holy Spirit. He's actually quoting what happened in Acts chapter 2, verse 4. But verse 16. Then I, Peter, remembered... The word of the Lord, Lord, how he said, John, and be baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If, if therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could withstand God? When they heard these things, they were, became silent and they glorified God, saying, Then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. Well, aren't you glad because you and I are part of that? You and I are part of that. But I just love this. John, you know, he says, the, again, we're, talk, we're, talk, we're talking about by whose authority are we baptizing? Are we talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Peter was called on the carpet by the council. By whose authority did he do this? And by whose authority? It was Jesus who baptized him. He goes, who am I to stand against God? If God, if Jesus baptized him the same way he baptized us in the Holy Spirit, who am I to withstand with God? And if, if Jesus is the baptized in the Holy Spirit, we have all these examples so far, who are you, who are anybody to withstand God? By whose authority do we baptize, do we teach the baptism? We're not the baptizer in the Holy Spirit, Jesus is. But by whose authority do we teach this? The Word of God. Jesus, the baptizer of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Let's go to Acts 19. We're almost done here. We're going to go a little over time because we've got a little late start. All right, I, got, I got a last 10 minutes. I'm going to take my 10 minutes back. Okay? And it happened... While Paulus, Acts 19, verse 1, and it happened while Paulus was in, at Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, and finding some of the disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, Into what, what then were you baptized? So they said, Into John's baptism. 
Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him, capital H, Jesus, who would come after him, John, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men were about 12 in all. Okay, let me just bring some recap here, okay? Paul is in Ephesus, and he, and he encounters some disciples of Apollos, who's also a minister. Apollos had not taught on the Holy Spirit because he hadn't, he hadn't heard about the Holy Spirit. Other scriptures, I'm going to bring those out today, but uh, 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 Priscilla and Aquila finally had to teach Apollos about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay? They, they taught him about that. But Paul's encountering his disciples. And so he asked the question, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believe? And the response is, we have never even heard that there was a Holy Spirit. Okay? That's an honest answer. I can work with honest answers. Okay? Uh, but he, and then uh, look at verse 4. He says, and then Paul said, well, they, verse 3 real quick. He asked them, and what, he said to them, and to what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. And then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him, Jesus, whom would come after him, John, that is, on Christ Jesus. Okay? In other words, Paul saying, John, Paul said that, that in other words, Paul saying that that, Baptism expired. That, in other words, when they heard this, verse 5 says, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I know a lot of people through the years have been re-baptized, and I don't, I don't agree with that. Now, uh, there are some different ex ex examples where I'm okay with that. If you were baptized as a child and you didn't understand, basically, if you were, you baptized, you were baptized as a child, but you never believed on Jesus, then then you were water baptized before you received Jesus, then I'm okay with you being rebaptized after you receive Jesus. Does that make sense? Because a child, I'm not saying that, what's the age that they can understand? That's different for everybody. There's some uh, mentally challenged people, uh, Down syndrome, that have never understood the gospel. Okay? But, you know, we had a church in Covina uh, uh, that we were part of, and they had a whole uh, uh, group of uh, Down syndrome uh, that did understand the gospel, and we would baptize them in the water. But there's some people who have been sprinkled as a child or whatever. That, that sprinkling did not get you into the body of Christ. No. You have to be saved, but, and you are baptized in the body of Christ, not by sprinkling. You are baptized in the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit. There's a big difference. Okay. And so someone who's been sprinkled or baptized as, a, as an infant, there's nothing in Scripture about that. Okay. Now, I know there was a dedication of Jesus with a, um, a friend, uh, I know there was Anna's book, Anna the prophetess, but I can't think of his name right now. But that, again, that was before the cross. Okay. And, that, and, and that's not a New Testament baptism. Okay. I'm okay with baby dedications, but really, baby dedications, you are dedicating the parents, not the child. So, uh, 
Okay, I'm okay with that uh, to a certain degree. But that is not a baptism. Okay, uh, that doesn't get you saved. Uh, okay, that's dedicating the parents to change the child the way that you go. Uh, uh, and so um, we can tie that in with Samuel and other, other scriptures too. But again, that's Old Testament. I'm not trying to split hairs on some of these things, but uh, but uh, uh, some people, you know, they've never believed on Jesus to be baptized in the body of Christ. If this didn't happen first, then then yes, I'm okay with being water baptized, you know. But you don't need to keep being. All these baptisms should be a one-time event. Every single one of them should be a one-time event. There's nothing spiritual. There's, uh, about being baptized over and over again. There's nothing biblical about doing that over. You don't see that anyone's kitchen where they were baptized, be baptized. Some people they go to Israel and they see the Jordan, they want to get baptized again because they're in where Jesus was baptized. There is nothing scriptural about that. That's just religion. Okay. Now don't feel condemned if I if you have been rebaptized. That's not where I'm going with this. It's just it's not it's just it's not it's not life changing. It might have been special to you. Uh, and, I, and I'm not trying to degrade that. But at the same point in time, I'm just using scripture. By what authority did I teach this? Well, I've been using some uh, several scriptures uh, the last couple weeks to teach these things. I haven't used all of them. There's more scriptures out there. But uh, again, when you believe on Jesus, you are baptized into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit, not sprinkling. Not by the priest. The priest can't do that. No one can do it. The pastor can't do that. The Holy Spirit baptizes you in the body of Christ. Upon believing on Jesus. A pastor leader can baptize you in the water after you have believed on Jesus. Okay? And the Holy Spirit, Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Okay? And, and how do I teach that? Because it's the promise of the Father. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. But it's taught, and, and Jesus is the baptizer of the Holy Spirit. Many scriptures that we used this morning to validate that. Here, here with these uh, believers, Apollos disciples, they had not heard about the Holy Spirit. They've been baptized in the waters of John. They realized the, bar, the baptism waters of John were before before Christ. And when they heard about when they heard that that was no longer uh, in existence through Paul, they were rebaptized into the name of Jesus, and then they also received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Two different things in the same event. Okay. Now, none of us really need to be really baptized because none of us were baptized in the waters of John. John hasn't been around for about 2,000 years. So, uh, none of us got baptized by John the Baptist. Okay. Nobody listening to this message is 2,000 years old. Okay. And so, uh, that should not be relevant anymore. It was relevant then because some of these people did were around when John the Baptist were around. And so, the, the, uh, so some things need to be uh, set motion be done in that way. I'm hoping this makes sense. I'm trying to make this as clear as possible. But but we're talking about being baptized in the Holy Spirit. But I want you to know something else too. Uh, and I'm, I'm wrapping this up. But in verse 6, and when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. We don't hear about that a lot. And we'll, I'll deal with this a little bit more later. Because there's more manifestations than just tongues. Tongues is one of those. But, and there's some other scriptures. I mean, Joel, uh, when he says, in the, uh, uh, says that when they would prophesy. And Peter quotes that in at Pentecost. We'll deal with that a little more clearly later, but I do want to make reference to it now. 
let me just bring this section of our, our teaching to a close. And we're, we're, next week we're going to talk about Pentecost. Next week we're going to talk about there's three different feasts that are used in the Old Testament times. And they all speak. That we have a Passover feast. Which most of us know about that one. That speaks towards the cross. We have the Feast of Weeks. And that speaks of Pentecost. We're going to see how that also has been. Uh, and again, and just like Passover in many ways is a prophecy uh, of, the, of the Passover lamb. The lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So is the Feast of Weeks. It speaks of Pentecost. And it was done. The Feast of Weeks was done 50 days after Passover. Just like Pentecost is done 50 days after the cross. Okay? And so, and then there's another uh, feast which we'll mention later, which is not really relevant to our study, but I will mention it since I've mentioned that or two. Uh, I'll at least mention it so you know what it's weak. But let me bring this section to a close. The bathroom is biblical, it's relevant for today. By whose authority do I teach that? The Word of God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, the baptized Holy Spirit. All these examples I gave you today, it's the promise of the Father. It's a gift that we receive. You receive salvation as a gift that you receive. The Holy Spirit is a gift that you receive. And multiple examples that we've been showing you over the last couple weeks, receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, was a separate event than the salvation. <coughs> in many of these events, they received all three in the same in the same back to back. Most of the time, they received <coughs> Christ and the Holy Spirit baptized them in the body of Christ. They were baptized in water, and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit all at the same time. But there were three different baptisms. Sometimes it was a, a, a space in between. Uh, we see this in Philip and Samaria. We see this even with Apollos. There were three. There, we see this even Cornelius. Uh, they, they were different, but they happened sometimes almost. They were so close; they were almost simultaneously. But they are different. Okay. All you have to do is believe it and receive it. That's all you have to do. Now, uh, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna end a little differently than I normally do. And I'm going to invite you, if you have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, to receive it. We're going to talk about tongues a little bit later down in our study. Uh, but, but Jesus also said that, you know, if you ask the Father for bread, he's not going to give you a stone. If you ask him for a fish, he's not going to give you a scorpion. So if God, if you ask him for the Holy Spirit, he's not going to give you something weird. He's going to give you the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We saw in some of these contexts where, and we saw this with Philip in Samaria, we saw this with Apollos, that they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. That can happen as well. How do I know that? By what authority? Scripture. Scripture tells me that. And so so uh, that can happen as well. I can't touch you through this iPad, but you can hear. We also have some articles on our website that are from, written by Andrew Womack on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. <coughs> that we welcome you to. And they're free and they're on our website. You can go to, I think I, I post, uh, they're different places, but if you go to our resources section, 
uh, if you go to our core teachings, you'll find them there. And so, you'll find them there. Anyway, Lord, we just, uh, we thank you. We thank you for the, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I just, Lord, I, I just thank you for this gift. And if you are listening to this message, wherever you are, and you have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you might not understand everything I've been teaching. You might not understand everything about it. Just like when you received Christ, you didn't understand everything, and you still don't understand everything. I still don't understand everything about the Holy Spirit and the baptism. But I have received Christ, and I still I have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But you can understand it now. It's a gift. In the same way we received Christ, you heard the gospel, believed the gospel, and were saved. <coughs> most times, most people said a prayer. There's no prayer mentioned in Scripture about receiving Christ. You hear it, believe it, and are saved. But the prayer does make it, uh, just gives some validity to it for our own minds. And so, I'm just going to pray a simple prayer. And if you want to receive the Holy Spirit, then I just pray that you uh, repeat after me. Not some, some religious repetition, but if you believe it, just mean it. And receive the Holy Spirit. And pray with me. Lord, I thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I receive, Holy Spirit, I receive you into my life. Come into my life. And lead me as my teacher. As my helper. As my guide. Baptize me. I receive the gift of of the Holy Spirit come now in Jesus name Amen now Bible says you should speak in tongues we'll talk about that a little more later we haven't taught on the area so I'm not going to give a lot of emphasis to that right now but if you believe you received same way as you received salvation there are manifestations. One of the primary is speaking in tongues, but we'll talk about that a little bit later, and I'll revisit this a little bit later down in our study. Hopefully that's why I don't want to... You can receive the Holy Spirit now. And we do encourage tongues, and we believe that's one of the evidences. But, uh, you know, if you uh, are hearing the tongue, sensing the tongue, I feel, like I feel free just to go for it. Okay. You, know, you, might, you, might, you might be thinking, I don't understand what I'm saying. Well, that's kind of the point. Um, it's an unknown tongue. If it was an, it was a known tongue, then it wouldn't be an unknown tongue. Um, it's not. If you speak multiple languages, it's not going to be in one of the other languages. It's going to be an unknown tongue. It could be a foreign language. It could be a language of angels. It's... It, it, well, I just call it your God language. <laughs> it's between you and God. It's between your spirit that's born again and his spirit. Your spirit and his spirit are talking. <laughs> and that's just the way I, I say it. You, 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 you're not... You're in control in the sense that it says that they think in tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. They still have a part to play. 
they could have shut their mouths and, and nothing would have come out. So you have to participate. But you got to be able to speak out those syllables that you are hearing in your spirit, in your heart. You just begin to give voice to those things. And we'll talk more about it later. We'll give some more clarification to it later. But if you ask the Holy Spirit to come, receive the Holy Spirit. By faith, you have the Holy Spirit. <coughs> How do I know? By what authority? The Word of God. Give me all the authority I need. Believe it or receive it. The choice is yours. Okay. God bless you guys. Have a good day. We'll see you tonight at 6 as we start a new Bible study on Ephraimus Change.